This is Derek Moyer, and welcome to the Freedom Fighter Podcast. So welcome friends to another Freedom Fighter podcast, I hope you're well. Uh, we're on to part two of our uh, series on overcomers and it's my privilege to introduce my friend John Edwards uh, in this recording. Uh, John is some character, he's been through health issues, addiction, abuse, you name it, He's he's been through it. So he's so well placed to be able to speak into the difficulties, the challenges, the trials, the hardship, the disappointments that we all experience. So if that's you and you're needing a bit of encouragement, you're needing a bit of inspiration, listen into this recording and you'll you'll find uh, you'll find light that leads to life, truths that makes free, encouragement to get you up. To get you, to get you out, to get you, to get you involved, to get you moving, um, and and you know seeking to overcome those things that are trying to overcome you. Guys, forgot to say this is part one. I'm just breaking this into two parts as, as it was a bit long. So release part one this week, and part two will go next week. John, uh, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Good to see you, Derek. Great to see you. Good to be here with everybody. Yeah. So. Um, we're doing this series in, uh, around overcomers and uh, you know John when I think of overcomers I just thought of the times I've heard John's story and I've heard of a life of uh, you know experiences of somebody who's overcame so many great difficulties so we're praying that his story can really encourage and inspire your heart tonight as you hear it or whenever you hear this message uh, we started. We started this, you know, this wee inspiration came in. Really, on the back of it was some of the people I had been influenced over by over the years had left a uh, had left. Sorry, somebody's going into my zoom. Had left a an impression, a false impression, that we can't do it. This impression that there was something about. Uh, you know, this walk with God that, you know, we just can't do it. it, almost left the impression that it was nothing to do with us. But, you know, investigating and establishing the truth here, that actually God calls us to overcome. He calls us to employ his life to the full, to employ the, the life and the spirit that he gives us in our circumstances to the full, to the maximum. And uh, so, John... You know, what would you, uh, you know, when when you think of your experiences, if you had to employ and use and utilise the life of God to the full and some of the experiences you went through? Yeah, absolutely. I've had to. I, I literally would not be sitting here, Derek, mm-hmm. if God hadn't brought me through. Mm-hmm. I mean, scriptures like 1 John 4, 4, which says, Greater is he who is in me than he was in the world. Mm-hmm. Scriptures like that have true experiences that I've been through. Scriptures like that have become very important to me. Mm-hmm. Or in Philippines it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mm-hmm. I've learned over the years that my 
my my strength is not enough to get me through some of the situations that I've been in, mm-hmm. and it's taken me doing what Proverbs three says, you know, to trust the Lord all my heart mm-hmm. and lean not on my understanding. Mm-hmm. If I just live according to my understanding mm-hmm. and the conditioning of my brain through trauma, through abuse, through right. addiction, mm-hmm. if I just live by my understanding, it's not enough for me to navigate some of the trials that life brings. Mm-hmm particularly with spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. and that I've got to trust God all my heart mm-hmm. and acknowledge Him mm-hmm. in all my ways. And when I do, He brings me through mm-hmm. and He makes my path straight before me. And hence, I'm here now. Yeah. At uh, 66 years of age, and I got my pension in December. <laughs> so I made it. You've I made, it. made it. I made it this far. <laughs> and you've made it. When I hear some of the stories... You know, I mean, we've not got enough time to talk about the amount of things, the hard things that you've came through. But, you know, when I heard you for the first time, I heard something that really kind of shook me. Because you, there was a resilience and a, dis, a resolve in you in the midst of what most people would quit on. And I hear this so many times in the in church, that there's almost a sense that we, we, we've not got the fight to actually to address some of these difficulties, these hardship, these trials, to to get over them, and we can just you know uh, um, we can lack that. We can look 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 about for answers. Why has this happened to me? Instead of employing the life of God into the situation, is that you know what what was it working in that for you? Well, um, I mean, I can take right now as an example. You know, we've just driven eleven hours. <laughs> I arrived into my hotel room literally about 30 seconds before we started this. Mm-hmm. And on the way down the road, I, I just had to persevere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was also bursting to go to the toilet. <laughs> so I, I, had to, I had to literally just press on uh-huh. and uh, go, go and go and go for 11 hours. And we got here with like 30 seconds to spare. It was amazing. <laughs> and, and that's maybe a silly example, but it gives you an idea mm-hmm. of the faithfulness of God. We end up where we intend to end up mm-hmm. uh, if we just look to God and keep pressing on. Perseverance is a great part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it's James um, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it mm-hmm. says that we're to rejoice when all kinds of tests and trials come our way mm-hmm. because the testing of our faith produces a perseverance mm-hmm. that when that is mature and complete, mm-hmm. we lack no good thing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of come to the place now that I'm a bit older mm-hmm. where... I realize the gifting of that perseverance I have. Mm-hmm. It holds me and it brings me through whatever life tries to throw at me. Mm-hmm. And I think the secret of it, Derek, is I don't allow, at least I do my best, not to allow life to happen to me, mm-hmm. but rather I, in God, happen to life. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm and, you. you know, one, one way, the first way, when I allow life to happen to me, it's living. It's live according to the way of the world, mm-hmm. even as a Christian, mm-hmm. to have worldly thinking. Mm-hmm. And the other way is to live according to the Word, mm-hmm. which is to do things God's way. And if, if you look at the two of them, I, I sometimes say this is a bit of a joke, but I'm serious as well. Mm-hmm. If you spell world, it's W O R L D, and you spell word, it's W O R D. Mm-hmm. There's only one letter of a difference, letter L. Mm-hmm. So. It makes an hell of a difference. <laughs> <laughs> it makes an hell of a difference how yes. you actually live. Aye, definitely. And um, because greater is he who is in us. Yeah. A lot of us read the scriptures these days 
but we don't actually let the penny drop. We don't get the 18-inch drop from the head to the heart. Mm -hmm. The Word of God is true. It's real. Mm -hmm. It's the truth. Mm -hmm. And more and more in these days, as we see the illusion that's in the world that's flung at us through media and mm -hmm. so on and so mm -hmm. forth, mm -hmm. we see the illusion that's thrown at us, created by watching you know, soap operas and watching mm -hmm. mainstream media for mm -hmm. different things and yeah. you know, reading the books that we read that are fiction and... Mm -hmm and novels and so on, we, we end up living in a lot of unreality. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, even driving up down here today to Ireland, I was thinking, even as kids, we're presented to believe in things that are not real, mm -hmm. like the tooth fairy, mm -hmm. like, like, uh, like, like Santa, right. like, um, you know, thing, things like that, mm -hmm. that are not real. Mm -hmm. And kids grow up like dinosaurs. And I saw two kids playing at a table on the boat today and they were playing with dinosaurs mm -hmm. and that was a little reality mm -hmm. but one of these days they're going to realize it's not real mm -hmm. but quite often a lot of people who are christian they don't live with what's real mm -hmm. they still lean on their own understanding mm -hmm. they still manage in their own strength mm -hmm. they still you know i might experience a little bit of the presence of god here and there mm -hmm. but we've got to actually live the christian life and when we do mm -hmm. it gives us an ability a persevering spirit mm -hmm. It gives us the gift of pressing on. Mm. And as we do that, we just go from strength to strength to strength. I hope that makes sense. It does. You know, and I feel just the word passivity come into my heart there when you when you mentioned about no, no having life happen to you. Because I, I get what you're saying, that when you're, when you're not engaging in the battle, when you're not cultivating your heart and life and mind, with, with planting the right things, Weeding the wrong things, you know, it, it's like we're just. I, I love this, John. I remember I was in a a, a wilderness uh, uh, kind of retreat thing. It was a part of the Princess Trust. This wee uh, Cockney guy, uh, he talked about um, you can either be these three things in life. He's talking about the ten people who are on this wilderness course, and he said you can be participants, so you're engaging in the process. You can be passengers. Or you can be prisoners. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, and I know that I know that sometimes you know it's about tiredness and everything. We can be passengers, but you know we're look, too locked up within ourselves. You know we're not engaging. But as you say, how important it is to to learn to uh, these difficulties are not meant to be defining me. I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be engaging in in with the life of God within them. To, to re to redefine them, you know, to get the outcome, to, to to hit the outcome that actually doesn't seem as if it's expected, you know. Um, I sometimes I sometimes think, uh, you know, anything that's precious on the earth, mm. you have to dig for. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that we see, me sitting in this hotel room here, mm -hmm. the metal that mm -hmm. these beds are made of, mm -hmm. we had to be dug for. Mm -hmm. The wood. Mm -hmm had to be worked for us with the trees and mm -hmm. the glass had to be made mm -hmm. with uh, sand and whatever else to make glass with and mm -hmm. everything. Gold has to be dug for, has to be mined. Mm -hmm. Diamonds they have to be mined. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find these precious things just lying mm -hmm. ready for um, picking up on the side of the street. Right. You've got to dig for them. Mm -hmm. And I realized that a lot of my life, I'm, I'm a Christian 33 years now, mm -hmm. And I've been clean and sober for 30 years. Mm -hmm. But I remember, uh, 
I remember one situation, you've you got to look for the diamonds and gold in our past as well, mm -hmm. because um, society these days um, makes excuses for people to become a victim of mm -hmm. something that happened to them in their past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they end up being a victim of sexual abuse or mm -hmm. physical abuse or, you know, and these are dreadful things and mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that it happens to anybody and mm -hmm. it happened to me, mm -hmm. both sexual and physical and mental abuse. Mm -hmm. And I've probably, through my drug addiction, probably medicated myself through several nervous breakdowns and, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I felt suicidal and broken, couldn't mm -hmm. see a way out. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've always had, and even if you read my book, Walking Free, or mm -hmm. any of my books, mm -hmm. I've always had a persevering spirit. Mm -hmm. I just refuse to give in. Mm -hmm. And I remember one occasion, I often talk about this, and you might have heard it before, but it's applicable now. Mm -hmm. Years ago, when you, needed to, when you needed to detox off of drugs, the only place in Ireland back in the late 60s and 70s was they'd put you into the mental home. So I was in, I've been in these places maybe 10 times. I've been in padded cells and straitjackets and so on. Mm -hmm. But one time I was detoxing off very strong drugs called barbiturates. Mm -hmm. And you take bad convulsions coming off these. And I couldn't sleep one night because of the detox. And I heard a noise across the far side of the ward. And um, I looked over. I sat up in my bed and I looked over. And in the dim light, and it was about three or four o'clock in the morning in the dim light of the hospital ward you know the way they have night lights on mm -hmm. I could see this old man well he's probably the same age as me now but he was <laughs> to me back then he was an old man <laughs> and he was trying to sexually abuse a young boy no. who was probably in his late teens and he was deaf and dumb this boy mm -hmm. the skinny fellow with a pointy chin and spiky brown hair mm -hmm. and pimples on his face and he was trying to sexually abuse him and the little skinny, deaf and dumb guy was trying to push the, fella, the, the old guy off him. Mm. And he was grunting because he couldn't speak. He was grunting and pushing him. And I, The staff were in the office, but they weren't coming out. So I jumped out of bed and I ran across the ward and I smacked the old guy in the jaw. Mm -hmm. And he went scurrying like the rat that he is back into his bed. Mm -hmm. And um, I comforted the young guy. Mm -hmm. And I basically said, listen, while I'm here, I'm going to look after you. That guy will never touch you again. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on the staff door to find out why they didn't come out because it was obvious they heard because they were making quite a racket. Mm -hmm. I knocked on the staff door and the staff came out and I said to them, I said, where the hell were you? Why didn't you come out? That young deaf and dumb boy was getting sexually abused by that old guy over the bed. And I said, why didn't you come out? And the staff said to me, they said, John Edwards, they said, shut up, they said, you've got no authority in here. They said, you're just a drug addict. Look at the state of me. And they began to slag me, began mm -hmm. to give me a hard time. And they began to say, and they began to echo the negativity that I was already speaking in my own mind mm -hmm. about myself. Mm -hmm. I'm no good. I'm not worth anything, mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. All that negative self-talk that we all have mm -hmm. earlier in our lives. Mm -hmm. And they, they told me to shut up and get back into bed. And they said things like, listen, you're locked up in here. You better behave yourself or you might not get out, stuff like that, but threatening me. And I sat in the bed, my own bed that night, and I wept, mm -hmm. thinking, how have I ended up in such a situation like this? Mm -hmm. And I looked around the ward and I said, to, I said to myself, it seems to me that the only person in this room that knows right and wrong mm -hmm. is me. Mm -hmm. But I can't even stand up. I've no authority to stand up. Mm -hmm. 
And then I did something. I looked across the ward and the young deaf and dumb boy was curled up in the fetal position and he was rocking mm-hmm. and he was groaning and crying. Mm-hmm. And my heart just went out to him. And I made a decision that day that in, instead of going into being suicidal or something, giving up, mm-hmm. I made a decision. And this comes from vision, wanting to do something with my life. I made a decision that day. Vision came to me in the middle of that dark night. Vision came to me and I said to myself, I vow that one day, somehow or other, I'm going to get myself clean and sober. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to become a voice for those people who cannot speak for themselves. Mm. And that night, my journey towards being clean begun. And I fought for years after that to try and get clean. And even as an addict, I used to try and help people. The gifting that I use in my life now was even in me back then, but it was mixed up with all kinds of dysfunction, mm-hmm. all kinds of brokenness, mm-hmm. all kinds of weirdness. and, mm-hmm. and uh, But that's been in me since, since, since way back then, and that was in the early 70s, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, John. Yeah. Tremendous. The, you know, I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen um, things like that over the years. I remember... Um, I remember, for example, when I got, I, when I began my walks, my ministry is called Walking Free. Mm-hmm. And when I went to Bible school in Galway in the west of Ireland, before I did the Teen Challenge program, in 1989, I did Bible school in Galway in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I had to leave after four months because I fell back in drugs. Mm-hmm. And I ended up living in a horse box on the Atlantic coast, freezing cold in winter. And there was a horse in the horse box. And... Um, I came to my senses and realized that as a Christian, I was squandering my inheritance, a bit like the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And in that horse box, I repented and I said, God, forgive me. Mm-hmm. For even as a Christian, I'm screwing up. Mm-hmm. And I said, please help me. I don't have the strength to stop taking drugs of my own. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's been really an addict, the powerlessness that comes over addiction, mm-hmm. it's a totally and completely hopeless place. You do not have what it takes to stop taking the drugs. And people who have not been addicts might not understand that. Mm-hmm. People with eating orders, eating disorders and gambling and mm-hmm. uh, sex addiction and other things like that, they might understand it. Mm-hmm. But you come to a place where you cross the line <clears throat> and there's nothing in your willpower can stop you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in your mental capacity can stop you, your physical strength. Mm-hmm. You might say, I'll never use again, but you cannot keep that promise because you're out of control. And that's where I was. But I knew I needed to press into God. And the secret of my life, you can find it in Romans chapter Mm 7, where the Apostle Paul, he wasn't an addict, but he says, excuse me a minute, he says, um, the Apostle Paul said, he said, I find a law at work within my body. Uh, in, in chap- in, he calls it his members. He's talking about his body, though. Mm-hmm. I find a law at work within my body. When I want to do something good, I find I cannot. Mm-hmm. But the bad thing that I do not want to do, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. So he said, I find this law at work within me. When I want to do good, evil is right there. Mm-hmm. That was the Apostle Paul recognizing his powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't an addict, so what was he fighting? He was fighting the nature of sin within him. Mm-hmm. For people like me, it manifested with drug and alcohol addiction. Mm-hmm. 
anything I touched, even gambling, I've become addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Anything I'd, and some people say it's an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's the nature of sin within us. Mm-hmm. And then I ask myself, why did Jesus come to earth? Mm-hmm. He came to break the power of sin mm-hmm. and to destroy the works of the enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy can only destroy us through sin mm-hmm. because we know the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. So anybody in addiction, they're on the train heading towards death, mm-hmm. premature death, mm-hmm. maybe through overdose or just organ failure or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they are on the road to death. The wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. So how did the Apostle Paul get set free from this? Mm-hmm. In the end of chapter 7 in the book of Romans, in the same thing, he said, the good I want to do, I cannot do. Mm-hmm. The bad thing I don't want to do, that I do. Mm-hmm. And then he calls out to God and he says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Mm -hmm. And he gives us the answer then. He says, thanks be to God Mm -hmm. for Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God, he says, for there is therefore no condemnation Mm -hmm. for those in Christ. Because one of the things that we feel Mm -hmm. in powerlessness is guilt and condemnation. Mm -hmm. And isn't it amazing? That's the first thing that Paul addressed. Mm -hmm. He said, thanks. He said, who will rescue me from this body of death? Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God for Christ is therefore now no condemnation in Christ mm. because he has set me free from the law of sin and death, mm-hmm. which is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And he has made me alive by the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Christians, especially young Christians, they don't get this kind of teaching a lot these days. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, I had to search the scriptures in the early days mm-hmm. and I found out these things for myself. Because I wasn't taught a lot of this stuff. I had to learn it myself. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is living and active. Mm-hmm. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. In other words, whatever way you move it, it'll cut you. Mm-hmm. Judging between the thoughts and attitudes of the heart and the mind. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to get set free from this? The same way as Paul did, by calling out to God and saying, God, Mm -hmm. I'm powerless. Mm -hmm. I'm finding it difficult to trust in a God I cannot see Mm -hmm. and sometimes I cannot feel. Mm -hmm. That's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was at back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, God, I can't see you and sometimes I can't feel you. Mm -hmm. But I'm calling out to you Mm -hmm. because I don't have the strength myself Mm -hmm. to get free of drugs. Mm -hmm. I need your power within me. And it's when that power begins to work in us, mm-hmm. only then can we begin to say, wow, mm-hmm. greater is he who is in me than he was in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's only then that we can really say, wow, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right. Right. It's not our human strength, mm-hmm. our intellect, mm-hmm. our wisdom, mm-hmm. our understanding. Mm-hmm. It's God in us that helps us to do it. Beautiful job. Yeah, brilliant. And I'm just picking up on that for, for, Hebrew, uh, for Revelation. You know, when when uh, my wee devotional book, one wee line, it's quoting the seven churches for Revelation 2 and 3. It says, it's to him who overcomes is the promise yeah. given. And, you know, when when you look at the, the seven churches that Jesus speaks to, he identifies all these different issues, be it their, uh, you know, leaving their first love, pers- overcoming persecution. You know, overcoming this union with the world, dead relationships toward God, uh, holding fast what we have. You know, 
and the thing for me when I'm reading that, I'm going, that's in every person at some point. You know, it's, but, but, but he's saying, I'm identifying what's wrong, but it's to them, if, to those who overcome, will I give this? And it made made me think there, when you talked about Romans 8, you know, and how further down the, the, the chapter there, it talked about that you'll, you'll if you'll mortify the deeds of the body, you'll live. Put into death, there's an act of participation in actually bringing the life of God into the situation. Yes. What, what about how that worked out? Because I know, I remember the story you told of your health problems and then you actually, you know, how many how many diagnoses or, uh, you know, you know, hopeless reports you got and you were saying, I'm going to run this, what was it, 5K, 10K? Whatever it was. Yeah. Can you tell yeah. that story and how you had to employ, yeah. how you had to well, employ God's power and life into I, your, your into the situation? I got, I got cancer, yeah. and before that, you it was just, before that I had cancer, wasn't it, Tricia? No, but before that, you were just diagnosed with. I'm getting corrected here, Patricia. You were just diagnosed with um, cirrhosis of the liver, first of all. Oh yeah, I was told I had cirrhosis of the liver, mm-hmm. and then um, that was one thing. And then I was told I had hepatitis C. Yeah. Then they told me it was fibrosis of the liver. Then they told me that I had cancer in my liver. And my only chance of living was to get a liver transplant. And they reckoned I only had a few months to live. So that was a bit of a shocker. But the good news about that is Mm -hmm. when something like that happens, God gives you the grace to deal with it when you need to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Didn't you, Trish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the two of us been told, like I basically had a few months to live. Mm-hmm. And we were in the hospital and we came out of the, out, of the, out from the doctors and the doctor said, you all right? And he said, yeah, I'm fine. The grace came immediately. Mm-hmm. And we actually went for lunch in the hospital, didn't we, yeah. And somebody, we met somebody we knew in the hospital and they were complaining about this, that and the other. And they said, by the way, why are you in here? And I said, oh, they just told me I have cancer. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. But that's how the journey began. Then I got a liver transplant. Right for a little while later mm-hmm. and uh, the story that you're talking about it's kind of a double pronged story mm-hmm. when I was in the hospital when I got my liver transplant let me say this first Eric if that's okay mm-hmm. when I got my liver transplant uh, I was super fit I had just walked and cycled across America mm-hmm. previously I run the length and breadth of Britain mm-hmm. from John Gross to Land's End I run the length and breadth of Wales the length and breadth of Ireland I had I was an ultra marathon runner. I was super fit. I run 50, 50 55 miles. Mm-hmm. I was super fit. Now my health was gone. My liver was taken out. I had a dead person's liver in me, which creates mental situations you've got to deal with. It's a weird thing having somebody else's liver in you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had the transplant. It was successful. And I'm in the high dependency ward. And going through my mind mentally is you're finished. You'll never be the man you used to be physically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but still, deep inside myself was the gift of perseverance that I developed over the years. Mm-hmm. And one day, Trisha was in with me. And she pulled the computer down, in the hospital computer down. And I had a little thing in my hand, like a, like a TV zapper. And I was able to work the internet from my hand. Mm-hmm. And I found something called the Irish National Transplant Games. It's a bit like the Olympics for transplant people. Mm-hmm. And I applied to run in the games. I thought, 
I knew there was a champion in me, Derek. Mm-hmm. And I needed to pull the champion out of me. Mm-hmm. So I needed something in my future that would do that for me. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that principle? Yeah. That's, that's, how I live, that's how I live my life. Mm-hmm. I found in Irish National Transplant Games, mm-hmm. I asked them, I emailed them, can I run in the next games, which mm-hmm. was a few months later. Mm-hmm. They emailed back and said, no, you can't, John. I said, I emailed back, why not? Mm-hmm. Because you've just had a liver transplant. Nobody's ever applied to run the transplant games mm-hmm. two days after a liver transplant. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm not just anybody. Mm-hmm. I said, I believe there's a champion in me. And please, I said, I need to put these games in front of me mm-hmm. to get me to believe in myself again. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so crushed by the tra- whole mm-hmm. trauma of cancer and transplant. Mm-hmm. Cut a long story short, they let me run a few months later. And I ran in the game. I trained. It put, that's what pulled me out of my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. That's what got me walking and running again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before the games, I was up running 10 miles again. Mm-hmm. And I ran the Irish National Transplant Games and I became the Irish champion mm-hmm. in the 1500 metres, 800 metres and 400 metres. Mm-hmm. And I've got the medals to prove I'm Irish champion, but I couldn't give two rips about the medals. It mm-hmm. wasn't about the medals. Mm-hmm. It was about getting in touch with my essential self, the mm-hmm. champion that's on the inside of me. Mm-hmm. And everybody's a champion. Mm-hmm. And we have to put something in front of us or we perish. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that without a vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. So guys, I hope you've enjoyed that first part. Uh, deeply encouraged you, uplifted you, uh, gain, giving you that persevering spirit, that that uh, resilient uh, spirit that wants to continue and, and uh, to fight and live and overcome the difficulties before you. Uh, join us next next week for part two. God bless you. This has been the Freedom Fighter podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to connect with our services or you want more info or details about upcoming events, connect with us online at www.freedomfighters.life or drop us an email at info at freedomfighters.life. Until next time, God bless you.